Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. I'm Patience Adamu. And I'm Curtis Vermont. And this is The Trip, a podcast about political decision-making during a racial revolution sponsored by Fido Mobile. Stay tuned as we talk Canadian news and Black issues on a regular basis. And if you support our work to keep you informed, please subscribe. It was only last year, on March 24, 2021, that the House of Commons voted unanimously to officially designate August 1st Emancipation Day. The date is significant as it marks the actual day in 1834 that the Slavery Abolition Act of 1833 came into effect across the British Empire. There are still today lots of Canadians who do not know that Black and Indigenous people were once enslaved on the land that is now Canada. Those who fought enslavement were pivotal in shaping our society to be as diverse as it is today. It's rare that Canadians associate Emancipation Day with the Toronto Caribbean Carnival, but the Carnival is one of Canada's oldest celebrations of Emancipation Day. This Caribbean tradition of fetting in the street was founded in celebration of freedom and emancipation from slavery and is appropriately celebrated on what has been recognized by the Canadian government as Emancipation Day weekend. Running this year from Thursday, July 28th to Monday, August 1st, North America's largest carnival will be celebrating 55 years of freedom on the road. The road! (laughs) (laughs) This carnival has grown steadily over its 55 years, drawing nearly 2 million people to the city every year. The last in-person caravana held prior to the global pandemic even hosted the stars of the most popular Real Housewives franchise, the Real Housewives of Atlanta. The Toronto Caribbean Carnival is more than a piece of Canada's mosaic. It brings hundreds of millions of dollars into our economy and colors blackness and its identity in Canada, marking it as very, very different from our U.S. counterparts. This week, we are pleased to welcome Michelle Lochan from Toronto Caribbean Carnival, otherwise known as Caravana, to the show. Michelle is the managing director of the Festival Management Committee, producers of the Toronto Caribbean Carnival, and the new Building Black Entrepreneurs Program funded through the Government of Canada's Black Entrepreneurship Ecosystem Fund. Having worked in economic development for over 15 years, Michelle believes that entrepreneurship and business incubation are important means for poverty alleviation, community development, and economic recovery. Deeply rooted in Caribbean arts and culture in Toronto, Michelle has worked with Toronto Caribbean Carnival stakeholders to produce the annual festival since 2008 and has served as a volunteer with the Toronto Caribbean Carnival for over 25 years. And now, She joins us so we can join in on the celebration too. Michelle, welcome to the show. How have Carnival Celebrations been for you this far? Thank you very much. Pleased to be here. Uh, So far, the Carnival Celebrations have been very exciting, um, Mm -hmm. anticipatory. People are really looking forward to getting back out on the streets. And my children and I, we all feel that that sense of revelry in the air. So it's mm-hmm. it's been off to a good start. And the sunshine hasn't uh, has just been cooperating. So we're really looking forward to this summer. It has, it has, it has. I saw some of those great photos from Kitty Carnival uh, and when the Prime Minister showed up and, and yes. numerous others showed up. Wasn't that a great time? 
Oh, it was wonderful. That day I felt so proud to have so many of our representatives um, uh, come out and, and support the parade and that we're back on the road um, mm-hmm. after all these years. So yeah, it was wonderful. The children had a great day. The sun was shining. We couldn't have asked for a better day. We're ready for the... Okay, so <laughs> we have plenty to dive into. So why don't we get started? Let's do it. So Michelle, first, what does your role entail and why did you decide to take it on this year? Sure. So my role, I'm my title officially is the Managing Director of the Festival Management Committee. And as you mentioned earlier, the Festival Management Committee, we produce the Toronto Caribbean Carnival and we produce the, the new Building Black Entrepreneurship Fund. Um, but the definition of managing director in this organization isn't typical and doesn't have a, a very linear job description. Um, if I had to say what the majority of my role entails right now, it's about <clears throat> providing vision and oversight to the overall festival management committee as it builds itself into um, a new organization of sorts, a community, a more community-focused organization versus an event management organization. Um, definitely generating revenue is um, one of my key tasks uh, in this role. Community engagement, um, and that involves a lot of, of repositioning the festival management committee, um, carnival, etc., into a more positive and uh, prosperous conversation amongst Canadians and internationally. Mm -hmm. And also standing up the new um, Building Black Entrepreneurship Program. Um, As you mentioned, we were recently awarded funding through the Government of Canada's Black Entrepreneurship Ecosystem Fund Mm -hmm. to deliver entrepreneurship training. And so uh, during the quieter months of our festival from when I started in November, Uh, into, I want to say, March, we've been rolling out a soft launch of this program. So that's been a lot of my priority, along with compliance and setting up the infrastructure for the actual parade and festival that's coming up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. That's really, really exciting to to know that uh, the festival is being used kind of as a, as a jumping off point for other uh, ways that we can bring some economic stimulus to, to, to Black and, and Caribbean communities in, in the, the greater Toronto area. So it's what it was always meant to do. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, um, but prior to joining um, the Festival Management Committee, I worked with FedDev, the Federal Economic Development uh, Agency of Southern Ontario, mm-hmm. um, on, on granting access to funding for small and medium-sized enterprises primarily in the tech and emerging sectors, and included working as an innovation advisor with IRAP and Innovation Canada. Mm -hmm. When I moved over to FedDev, it was just in the height of the pandemic and in COVID, and I really saw the impact of subsidies to sustain some of our largest industries. Right. And more importantly, the salaries and capital of some of the smallest businesses in Canada. Right. So, my decision to come over to the Festival Management Committee and work with Carnival was the need to see our community and our people, our businesses um, have the same access um, yep. and to bring my skills to towards them to really, you know, just create that blend of um, culture, but also project or program management mm-hmm. and help make a bigger, bigger visibility for uh, the economic impact that Carnival has. So I just yeah. saw it as a good blend of skills, passion, um, et cetera, and, and timing for me to take on a role like this. Yeah. 
So I guess speaking of visibility, for those who have never experienced the Toronto Caribbean Carnival before, how would you describe it to them? It's a it's a festival. It's really um, if we really look at the dates, it's a it's a, essentially a four day festival or celebration of Caribbean culture um, and Canadian Caribbean culture. Mm. Um, you know, it, it, it's a celebration or um, a time of the art, the music, the cuisine, the culture and the businesses of the Caribbean community here in the GTA um, mm. and across the province. So it's an opportunity to come out and experience something different, um, to understand um, who we are as, as a you know, a population segment here. It's a, it's intergenerational. Mm-hmm. Um, it brings together, you know, grandchildren, great grandchildren, all the way up um, for family celebration, but also for transmission of culture and history. It's colorful, it's vibrant, um, and it's very musical. We're mm-hmm. a very, very musical, uh, musically based cu- uh, culture. And so it really, it really is the core or the heartbeat of the entire festival. Yeah, if you want peace and quiet, nobody it. This is not the place for you. This is not the place for you. But one other thing I wanted to say about the festival that maybe a lot of people don't know, it's also a competition. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. it's, it's a competitive festival in that um, the bands that you see and it, that make up the parades and the costumes and so on, they're competing for the title of band of the year. And so they're being, you know, they're, they're, there are rules and, and, um, uh, things to comply with when building your costumes to really make give you that competitive advantage and to allow you to compete um, along with the numbers of people who participate in the parade. So there's more to it than just the revelry. There's the com- competitive part. There's the intergenerational part as well. So it's very meaningful. So we kind of touched on, as you said, you know, the, the, the transference of, of knowledge. There's, you know, what we didn't kind of touch on yet is, is the history. Right. So why don't we talk a little bit of the history? Give, give us the history of Toronto Caribbean Carnival as to why it was started in Canada and tell us about its origins in Trinidad too. Why sure. is Carnival about more than just bearing skin and chipping down the road, which are both very, very valid? <laughs> right. Well, um, in Canada, um, Carnival uh, was introduced in 1967 um, by the Caribbean Canadian community. Um, in honor of the centennial celebration, uh, Canada's 100th birthday. Mm-hmm. And so the community decided to uh, package this small festival or parade or demonstration of what carnival in Trinidad and Tobago looks like and brought it here to celebrate our achievements, if you will, here, mm-hmm. um, to cement our place here in Canadian culture and to invite others to understand who we are and, and, and to create, you know, to add to that melting pot or that multiculturalism that we are. Mm-hmm. Um, prior to that, the festival really took the form of uh, scholarship um, in that it was founded by women's organizations, Caribbean women organizations in the 50s and 60s mm-hmm. um, that were really committed to helping young black youth that had migrated here from the Caribbean to get uh, access to education. And so mm-hmm. they would put on events and fundraisers and so on, um, you know, leaning on Caribbean music, Calypso and Soca, et cetera, to help raise money through parties and events, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So when the time came for Carnival to come here, um, there was already good organizations or foundations or associations, if you will, of people who came together to really help it become the, the event that it was in 1967. 
from there, it's just only evolved into what we have today. But that is the origin of how it how it arrived here. So it's interesting because so much of what we understand about about carnival, about festival, it originated in, in, in Trinidad. However, there are numerous other West Indian countries that have a strong impact on the celebration as well. Can you, can you speak to that a little bit as well? Absolutely. I mean, there, I feel that there uh, uh, globally, sorry, there are about 90 Caribbean carnivals worldwide. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's in, yeah, and that's even outside of the Caribbean. So, you know, there are international festivals, uh, Caribbean festivals in the UK, in Europe, mm-hmm. um, around the world, in South America. Um, why Trinidad holds the title, if you will, of, um, you know, being the Mecca or the original or the prototype of carnival is because of the fact that it's almost an industry in Trinidad. It's part of the fabric of the uh, economy, of the politics, and so on. And Mm -hmm. it started with the, um, uh, similar to Mardi Gras in Brazil and so on, um, as a, depending on from which perspective you're looking at how it started. It started with the French that were in Trinidad at the time that celebrated the two days before Lent uh, mm-hmm. with a little bit of debauchery, just letting go of all of these restrictions that they lived under as uh, under Catholicism in the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they had these two days where they could just kind of free up, if you will. Free up. Exactly. <laughs> and party. And from there, the uh, they they had their masquerade balls and so on so that that's part of the origin um the the slaves the indentured servants and etc who lived in trinidad at the time mimicked it through an event what they called can boule which is the burning of sugarcane so it was done by nighttime by candlelight if you will and back then the costumes were more mockery of european culture in the caribbean so the costumes were very scary depictions of uh, European women with exager- exaggerated, uh, you know, body forms. Um, a depiction of American cowboys as robbers. Um, you know, what another mask that we have called the jab jab, and that was probably the most common type of mask where people played in mud and oil and paint um, rather than the elaborate costumes we know today. And be and played, you know, um, and paraded and masqueraded with uh, um, what are they like percussion instruments, like steel pans or like uh, you know drumming, etc. And it kind of just went on simultaneously um, while the European settlers were having their celebrations. And so from there, um, it also evolved into, as I mentioned, what we have today. And it's it's a spirit that comes forward. It's a really deeply rooted traditional culture. Um, that has to express our freedom, our desire to want to celebrate during that season as well, too. And then um, how we continued that and how it looked forward even after the French, uh, you know, left left Trinidad. And then so with the French influence around the Caribbean, you know, they had similar events or other European countries or other Cath- uh, Catholics uh, throughout the Caribbean also had these types of celebrations throughout the Caribbean. So it became a common event across the Caribbean as well, too. There are different forms of celebration, different times of the year. For example, in Barbados, you know, the Irish have a bigger influence than the French. And so their carnival looks a little bit different and is more centered around harvest, Mm. where ours is more around, as I mentioned, the Lenten season and the Catholic calendar. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And it's interesting too, to if, if we bring it back home to Toronto, if we take it back to the 60s, the predominant culture for one reason or another in Toronto when it came to Caribbean people was Jamaican because we had the biggest demographic size. Yeah. And that's why uh, this kind of element of, of Jamaica permeated. But I mention all this to say this isn't really a Jamaican thing, man. This is this is Trinity. This is this is numerous islands coming together to tell a great story of our Caribbean culture. It is, you know, and and it, that's always fascinated me. I guess because the model in Trinidad existed, mm-hmm. you know, and was easy to adapt. We knew what we were doing, you know, by bringing how to build masks, and we had, you know, those mass builders from Trinidad who were living here, who had that upbringing, who could bring that skill set here to create that. But a lot of our founding members, you know, um, and members who have sat on the board of the FMC or other previous uh, planning organizations or committees for the festival are, mm-hmm. were Jamaican, mm-hmm. you know, and, and added to that element. So it's always it's always shocked me. It's always always been a shock to me, honestly, about the the influence of Jamaica in the parade, you mm-hmm. know, and, and the the actual limited presence, if you will. Yeah. In terms of what it should have, as you mentioned, being the largest Caribbean population in in Ontario. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's changing. It's changing. This year we have the first uh, Jamaican band or float. Hey, hey, yeah. Freedom okay. Mass Band founded by Joanna Grant, um, uh, a, a nurse, a wonderful woman um, here in Toronto who started her own band wow. and oh. still representing. And uh, yeah, she just she did an excellent presentation for Kitty's Carnival and, and now she's coming out for um for the parade as well too so that's quite exciting that is excellent so yeah let's let's change gears just a little bit uh to talk sure. about how festival is received perceived by you know its host cities so the unfortunate truth is that carnival has never fully been accepted by residents of host cities whether it's toronto or vaughn elsewhere our listeners may recall the disappointing story from 2018 in vaughn where the annual Carnival Kingdom Soka Fet was shut down by bylaw officers due to noise complaints. Indeed, the very first carnival back in 67 was almost exclusively funded by Caribbean natives because corporate sponsors were, shall we say, risk averse. And there's many other ways that we can describe that. Could you speak to it though? Would you say that external financial support has improved today? If so, why? And if no, why not? Regarding the risk aversity, I want to say that developing municipalities probably don't see the economic impact that hosting diverse events such as Carnival Kingdom um, has in effect, in, in the, or that it affords them mm-hmm. um, relative mm-hmm. to the population in their region. So they may not have large Caribbean communities in their regions and think, oh, well, what's the need for all of this? you know, the security and all of these things that come with this, these noise complaints and so on. If we don't even really have that big of a Caribbean population in our region, what's the big deal? But what I think's missing is the view of the broader GTA and that the G that, that Caribbean people will come to Vaughn to listen to this show that matters to them because it's where our culture is being performed at that day and time and how we are actually going to impact the local economy on that day. That's right. Or for those events. And so they're they're not seeing that view. Maybe their view is too limited. Mm-hmm. And so they're just stuck with their stereotypes about, oh, there's maybe too many black people in one place or what have you. It might be. Speak on but that. they're missing the point. They're missing the point. It's yeah. a GTA view. 
we're coming, we don't all live in Vaughn. So we're going to come from different places to patronize wherever our events are. Right. So I think right. it makes sense for people, you know, to, 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 to look at it broader that way, especially at this time when we're trying to recover economically. Right. Right. It's yeah. like, do you want the tax dollars or not? And, yeah. and we, we've, we've broached the subject already, but it's important to note, uh, you know, based on a 2010 uh, form of the Ryerson now Metropolitan University study, and there are others, for example, from PwC, pointing to the festival generating a minimum of $438 million, uh, more like probably a billion dollars, more like even $2 billion between the provincial government and municipal government and money that goes to all that take part. Mm -hmm. So this is a massively revenue generating endeavor and it should be respected as such. Absolutely. And this is all done between July and August. All done in that short time span. This is done between July and August. This is what the Caribbean community comes together, mobilizes because of a sense of pride in our culture to say to Canada or to our local regions, we love it here. We love where we live. We want to invest. We want to be seen, heard, and, and, and respected. And this is what we are contributing to our economy every year. Mm-hmm. And every single year. Every single year for 55 years. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, we may have had our challenges organizationally and, you know, mm-hmm. there are different opinions out in the broader media, but mm-hmm. the dollar value speaks you can't lie that's right and you know and and for 55 years what we're getting in return so you you were asking about um is the external financial support has it improved today well we've moved through different models we've gone from self-funded as you mentioned earlier mm-hmm. uh, we've gone originally from uh you know this being a contribution of our own people building this and putting it together then we went into a loans model, and that's where some of the challenges came up with financial management and so on with different organizations through the loans model. We then moved into sponsorship by seeking, you know, grand uh, corporate title sponsors to s- supplement the majority of costs for the festival to now grants. And what if what if we're really contributing, if what you know, up to two billion dollars, what we're getting back to produce something like this. Is it's very minimal compared to what we could do with a larger contribution to this product, if you will. Ukush, what a conversation! Nice, you see. You've just listened to part one of our chat with Michelle Lochan, managing director of the Festival Management Committee for the Toronto Caribbean Carnival. And isn't she great? I mean, I just love how much knowledge she's bringing to this episode about the history of Carabana and its contribution to Canada, including the social and economic benefits that the festival brings every single year. Part two is coming up next, so be sure to take that in. And as always, thanks for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 